Volume Two, Chapter Eleven of *The Widow Barnaby* by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven. Mrs. Barnaby feels conscious of improvement and rejoices at it. Hopes for the future. A conversation in which much generous sincerity is displayed. A letter intended to be explanatory, but failing to be so. Mrs. Barnaby's first feelings after the major left her were agreeable enough she had escaped with little injury from a great danger and while believing herself infinitely wiser than before she was conscious of no reason that should either lower her estimate of herself or check the ambitious projects with which she had set forth from her native town to push her fortune in the world but her views were improved and enlarged her experience was more practical and enlightened and her judgment as to those trifling fallacies by which people of great ability are enabled to delude people of little though in no degree changed as to its morale was greatly purified and sharpened as to the means to be employed thus by way of example it may be mentioned that during the hour of mental examination which followed major allen's adieu mrs barnaby determined never again to mention silverton park and if at any time led to talk of her favourite greys that the pastures they fed in and the roads they traversed should on no account be particularly specified neither her courage nor her hopes were at all lowered by this her first adventure on the contrary by setting her to consider from whence arose the blunder it led her to believe that her danger had been occasioned solely by her own too great humility in not having soared high enough to seek her quarry in making new acquaintance thus ran her soliloquy in making new acquaintance the rank and station of the party should be too unequivocal to render a repetition of such danger possible i was to blame in so totally neglecting the evident admiration of colonel hubert in order to gratify the jealous feelings of major allen that was a man to whom i might have devoted myself without danger his family and fortune known to all the world and himself so every way calculated to do me honour but it is too late now his feelings have been too deeply wounded i cannot forget the glances of jealous anger which i have seen him throw on that unworthy allen but my time must not be wasted in regrets i must look forward and look forward she did with a very bold and dashing vein of speculation although for the present moment her power of putting any new plans in action was greatly paralysed by her having been bound over to prosecute betty jacks and her accomplices at the next bristol assizes now bristol and its vicinity had become equally her contempt and aversion the major had taught her to consider the trade-won wealth of the peterses as something derogatory to her dignity and though she still hoped to make them useful she had altogether abandoned the notion that they could make her great during the time that it would be necessary for her to remain at clifton however she determined to maintain as much intimacy with them as their very stiff manners would permit and carefully to avoid anything approaching to another affair of the heart till she should have left their neighbourhood and the scene of her late failure behind as soon as her spirits had recovered the double shock they had received from the perfidies of betty jacks and major allen she remembered with great satisfaction the discovery made of agnes's singing powers though more than eighteen years had passed since her musical father and mother had warbled together for the delight of the silverton soirees mrs barnaby had not forgotten the applause their performances used to elicit nor the repeated assurances of the best informed among their auditors that the voices of both were of very first-rate quality the belief that agnes inherited their powers now suggested more than one project 
in the first place it would make the party she was determined to give extremely attractive and might very probably be sufficient to render her at once the fashion either at cheltenham which she intended should be the scene of her next campaign or anywhere else where it was her will and pleasure to display it nor was this ornamental service the only one to which she thought it possible she might convert the voice of agnes she knew that the exploits she contemplated were hazardous as well as splendid and that although success was probable failure might be possible in which case she might fall back on this newly discovered treasure and either marry her niece or put her on the stage or make her a singing mistress as she would find most feasible and convenient with these notions in her head she attacked agnes on the singular concealment of her talent as well as upon other matters during breakfast the morning after the unlamented major's departure which was in fact the first time they had been alone together agnes having passed the whole of the preceding day at rodney place in answer to her niece's gentle salutation she said in a tone very far from amiable though it affected to be so yes yes good morning aunt that's all very well and now please to tell me where i shall find another young lady living with a generous relation to whom she owes her daily bread who knowing that relation's anxiety about everything concerning her has chosen to make a secret of the only thing on earth she can do tell me if you can where i shall find anything like that if you mean my singing aunt i have told you already why i never said anything about it my only reason was because i did not like to ask you for a piano that's all hypocrisy miss agnes and let who will be taken in by you i am not and you may just remember that miss now and always you were afraid perhaps that i might make you of some use to me but the scheme won't answer with the kindest temper in the world i have plenty of resolution to do just whatever i think right and that's what i shall do by you i shall say no more about it in this nasty vulgar merchandising sort of place but as soon as we get among ladies and gentlemen that i consider my equals i shall begin to give regular parties like other people of fashion and then let me hear you refuse to sing when i ask you and we shall see what will happen next indeed aunt i believe you are mistaken about my voice replied agnes i have never had teaching enough to enable me to sing so well as you seem to suppose and in fact i know little or nothing about it except what dear good mr wilmot used to tell me and i don't believe he has heard any really good singing for the last twenty years and i was not at mrs peters the other night i suppose miss willoughby and i did not hear all the praise and the rapture and the fuss didn't i what a fool you do seem to take me for agnes however i don't mean to quarrel with you you know what sacrifices i have made and not all your bad behaviour shall prevent my making more still for you you shall have a master if i find you want one and when we get to cheltenham you shall be sure to have a pianoforte does that please you i shall be very glad to be able to practise again aunt only only what if you please why i mean to say that i should be sorry you should expect to make a great performer of me for i am certain that you will be disappointed stuff and nonsense don't trouble yourself about my disappointments i'll take care to get what i want and there's another talent miss agnes which i shall expect to find in you and i hope you have made a secret of that too for i never saw much sign of it i want you to be very active and clever and to act as my maid till i get one indeed i'm not sure i shall ever get one again they seem to be such plagues and if i find you ain't too great a fool to do what i want i have a notion that i shall take a tiger instead it will be much more respectable pray agnes have you any idea about dressing hair i think i could do it as well for you aunt as jerningham did 
replied agnes with perfect good humour and that's not quite so well as i want but i suppose you know that as well as i do only you choose to show off your impertinence and there's my drawers to keep in order dunce as you are i suppose you can do that and fifty other little things there will be now that good-for-nothing baggage is gone which i promise you i do not intend to do for myself did agnes repent having sent the enamoured possessor of seven thousand a year from her in despair as she listened to this sketch of her future occupations no not for a moment no annoyances that her aunt could threaten no escape from them that mr stephenson could offer had the power of mastering in her mind the one prominent idea which like the rod of the chosen priest swallowed up all the rest and this engrossing this cherished this secretly hoarded idea how was it nurtured and sustained did the object of it return to occupy every hour of her life by giving her looks words and movements to meditate upon no colonel hubert appeared no more at clifton and agnes notwithstanding the flashes of fond hope that like the soft gleaming of the glow-warm had occasionally brightened the gloom of her prospects was left to suppose that he had taken his departure in company with his offended friend and that she should probably never hear of him more was he then angry at her refusal was the notice he had taken of her for his friend's pleasure rather than his own poor agnes there was great misery in this thought they had indeed both left clifton on the same day though they had not left it together but that she knew not colonel hubert as we have seen was already on his way to london when the impetuous frederick staked all his dearest hopes upon his sanguine but most mistaken judgment of a young girl's heart and when the ill-fated experiment was over he posted with all speed across the country to southampton and there embarked to take refuge among the hills and the orchards of normandy the recollection of the manner in which he had driven colonel hubert from him was no slight aggravation of his unhappiness when he gave himself time to take breath and to reflect a little he felt deeply bitterly the loss of agnes but perhaps he felt more bitterly still the loss of his friend the first as he could not help confessing to himself was the loss of a good he had possessed only in his own fond fancy the last was that of the most substantial good that man can possess a tried attached and honourable friend for many days and many nights too frederick suffered sorely from the battle that was going on between his pride and his consciousness of having been wrong but happily for his repose his pride at length gave way and the following letter was written and directed to the united service club whence sooner or later he knew it would reach the friend to whom it was addressed most men my dear hubert would be too angry at the petulance i exhibited during our last interview even to receive an apology for it but you are not one of them and you will let me tell you without receiving the confession too triumphantly that i have never known a moment's peace from that day to this nor ever shall till you send me your forgiveness as frankly as i ask it you may do this with the more safety dear hubert because we shall never again quarrel on the same occasion and so perfectly have i found you to be right in all you said and all you hinted on that fair but unfortunate subject that henceforward i think i shall be afraid to pronounce upon the colour of a lady's hair or the tincture of her skin till i have heard your judgment thereon let us therefore never talk again either of the terrible mrs barnaby or her beautiful niece but forgetting that anything of the kind could breed discord between us remember only that i am and ever must be your most affectionate friend frederick stephenson how many times did colonel hubert read over this letter before he could satisfy himself that he understood it 
this is a question that cannot be answered because he never did by means of these constantly repeated readings ever arrive at any such conclusion at all had mrs barnaby's name been altogether omitted he might have fancied that his own deep but unacknowledged belief that miss willoughby would refuse his friend had been manifest in the dissuasive words he had spoken notwithstanding his caution but this allusion to the widow who had so repeatedly been the theme of his prophetic warnings left him at liberty to suppose that frederick's solitary and repentant rumination upon all he had propounded on that fertile subject had finally induced him to give up the pursuit and to leave clifton without having proposed to her niece anything more destructive to the tranquillity of colonel hubert than this doubt can hardly be imagined he had long persuaded himself it is true that it was impossible under any circumstances he could ever confess to agnes what his own feelings were as his friendship for stephenson must put it totally out of his power to do so the frankness of frederick's early avowal of his passion to him and the style and tone of the opposition with which he had met it must inevitably lay him under such an imputation of dishonour if he addressed her himself as he could not bear to think of nevertheless he felt or fancied that he should be much more tranquil and resigned could he have known to a certainty whether stephenson had proposed to her or not it was long however ere any opportunity of satisfying himself on this point arose the reconciliation indeed between himself and his friend was perfect and their letters breathed the same spirit of affectionate confidence as heretofore but how could colonel hubert abuse this confidence by asking a question which could not be answered in any way without opening afresh the wound that he feared still rankled in the breast of his friend it would be selfish and ungenerous in the extreme and must not be thought of but this forbearance robbed the high-minded hubert of the only consolation that his situation left him namely the belief that the young agnes notwithstanding the disparity in their years had been too near loving him to accept the hand of another of the two interpretations to which the letter of frederick was open this the most flattering to himself was the one that faded fastest away from the mind of colonel hubert till he hardly dared remember that he had once believed it possible and he finally remained with the persuasion that his too tractable friend had yielded to his arguments against the marriage without ever having put the feelings of agnes to the test which he would have given the world to believe had been tried and been withstood End of chapter eleven